الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وإذا دخلتم بيوتا فسلموا على أنفسكم تحية من عند الله مباركة طيبة صدق الله العظيم Most respected students of deen, mothers and sisters. The lessons we gain from the pious predecessors and at the peak of the pious predecessors are the sahaba Kiram. These are all our pious predecessors. After the sahaba Kiram then the tabi'een and among them especially the fuqaha the mujtahideen the mufassireen and as the time passed the mufassireen, muhaddithin and all the great pious personalities so these are the people that correctly and properly understood what was the meaning and the spirit of the Quran and Sunnah and as they explained it in the manner that they simplified it and explained it, that makes it very easy for somebody to find that direction and guidance. And it becomes very easy for him to do what is required of him, to stay away from what is not to be done. This is an extremely important aspect that a person should always be turning to the lives, to looking into the lives of the pious predecessors, the aslaf of the ummah, the akabir of the ummah, and inshallah we will get a very practical explanation of what is the spirit of the Quran Sharif, of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So together with studying their lives, studying whatever teachings they've given, in that regard is the teachings which they have stated various things from time to time, explained various things. Sometimes these are very short words, very, very few words, short lines. But they encompass a lot of meaning. They are a summary of many, many lessons of the Quran and Sunnah. And it is a an exposition of the essence of these lessons of the Quran and Sunnah. Among the people who was a very great personality of Islam and whose words had tremendous depth was Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala He was a personality who in the Hadith Sharif Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says that if there was a Muhaddad, person who was divinely inspired in my ummah then that person was Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala so now somebody of this caliber who has been given this endorsement in the Hadith Sharif that somebody who is divinely inspired is not a Nabi but these things are divinely inspired into his heart and therefore he says things that are very deep 
Sometimes it sounds like very simple words, but those simple words have tremendous meaning. So today we will just discuss a few of these statements of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala regarding whom Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa gave so many glad tidings to who Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa endorsed in so many ways. So if we take these statements to heart and we practice upon them in our day-to-day lives, then inshallah we will find tremendous benefit and tremendous guidance from these aspects. So nevertheless, on one occasion, Hazrat Umar ibn Khattab gave many pieces of advice to the sahaba kiram to those who were present. And on that occasion, he mentioned certain aspects. Among those aspects that he mentioned on that occasion, one of the things he mentioned was, وَأَحْلَمُ النَّاسِ مَنْ أَفَى بَعْدَ الْقُدْرَةِ These are, we can call them definitions. Many times, there are definitions that are given for certain things by people, but the issue is that what is the essence of that matter? Is this the correct definition in terms of the spirit and the essence of that matter? Or it is just a person's own imagination and his own thinking because people all have various uh, thinking in every matter not everybody thinks correctly some people think in one way some in another way but the necessary thing is that the thinking must be in accordance to the letter and the spirit of the Quran and Sunnah Otherwise, people have sometimes some very strange thinking also. And will try to give some kind of substantiation for things that are completely wrong, misguided. But they will have some kind of justification for it, some kind of way to make it sound that it's fine, it's okay, not a problem. Once was discussing with somebody, tried to advise the person. And the person began explaining, but why... It is not really a problem for him to be taking some drug, some intoxicant, intoxicating drug. And the reason being that when he does take some of this, he feels very focused. Now can you imagine how shaitan plays with the mind of a person? He feels very focused and he can concentrate on his work, he can concentrate on whatever his responsibilities are. And his mind is not muddled up. Now all these are just words. It might sound like something very nice. But this is how shaitan, the bait, the hook inside the bait is always covered. The bait looks very, very tempting. Looks very nice. Very innocent. And it doesn't immediately expose the danger inside it. From outside to that fish that's coming to nibble on this bait, there is no apparent indication that what lies behind this juicy morsel. Now for that fish, that's a very juicy morsel. But when it bites onto it, then it gets bitten itself. Because the hook bites into the fish then. The fish bit onto the bait, but then the hook bit into the fish. And then that gets 
now hooked into its mouth and or in whichever way it got hooked and before that fish realizes what's going on it is already being reeled out towards this shore or being reeled into that boat and all that juicy morsel is now a bitter thing to bitter reality to gulp down and swallow that I am caught and I am deep down in big trouble so likewise shaitan now puts this very very rosy picture of things that look you are actually becoming more attentive and more focused so this should be okay for you then it can't be such a bad thing then but then shaitan makes a person forget that you felt you were focused you felt you were attentive but then when you that, that so called high was finished then you became worse off than what you were before and you became like a semi-animal and then as it gets worse then you get deeper into the harm and the wrong so now it doesn't happen for everybody that even for that short duration they feel focused some feel even wilder but all the common problem is or the common issue is that everybody when they fall after that high they fall really hard now whether the person felt good or not does that make that sin any lighter does it make that sin any lesser in the court of Allah Ta'ala? it's completely haram whether it has any effect on a person or not for example somebody didn't feel any effect on him will that make it fine for him it's totally haram but the point we are making is that how somebody can even find a justification for something like that also some justification for something so clearly impermissible but a person who doesn't think correctly he'll find that true now this is just a lesson not to look down upon anybody else everybody needs to be guided corrected we need guidance and correction also but this is just for ibrad just for taking a lesson that we should be reflecting now upon what we think sometimes we also make excuses for ourselves in things that are clearly impermissible but we make excuses for ourselves of some sort or the other that is a very dangerous thing we have mentioned this repeatedly if due to some weakness we are not fulfilling something correctly acknowledge the weakness acknowledge that this is my weakness this is my mistake or this is my wrong that I am doing and I must change this I must bring about the correct uh, amal, the correct actions that acknowledgement will already be one step towards correction a very simple example somebody is not upholding the laws of parda as required now on whatever level it might be it might be some non-mahrams or the other it might not be on a very wide scale it might be on a more narrowed scale it might be sometimes just within immediate family but the point is that that is not being upheld in the manner that is required now some people start trying to justify this they try to start making some kind of tawil interpretation for it to try and minimize or rather to try and remove the intensity of the sin from it whereas we can't do that if Allah Ta'ala has made something impermissible we can do whatever we want that will never change what Allah Ta'ala has made impermissible and the severity of that sin will remain to the extent that Allah Ta'ala has made it severe our ta'weels and interpretations is not going to change that reality 
what will happen is by us making some kind of excuses for ourselves, some kind of interpretations that well this or that or the other, whatever interpretation we'll make, nothing is valid. The bottom line is, it's not valid. We will have to acknowledge it's my weakness, it's wrong, I should change it, I must make toba and make istighfar and beg Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness, it's my weakness, full stop. But, if, no ifs, no buts, in any command of Allah Ta'ala, any aspect that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has given us, no ifs, no buts, we are doing it, Alhamdulillah, Summa Alhamdulillah. We are not managing to do it for our, due to our weakness, we acknowledge the weakness. We do not try to cover up the weakness. Now sometimes a person realizes that this is wrong. Now whatever their issues might be, they are not managing to come out of that wrong immediately. So acknowledge it, it's my wrong. And make istighfar, make a lot of istighfar. Ya Allah, I'm still not managing to come out of this. I'm still not managing to rectify that. I'm still not managing to adopt this particular aspect that should be in my life. Ya Allah, this is my weakness. I'm making toba, I'm making istighfar. Now right now, the person doesn't even have that in their mind that tomorrow it will be any different or the day after it might be any different. But that hope and that wish is there that I, sh- I must change it. That intention is there that it should change. That desire is there that it should change. So now this is a weakness, but the desire is sincere. It must change. It cannot remain how it is. And together with that desire, there is istighfar on what's currently happening. That what's happening is wrong. I must ask Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. It's wrong. What is wrong is wrong. I cannot try to justify the wrong. And together with making the istighfar and asking Allah and, and having that desire to move forward, the sincerity in that desire will be then translated into dua. When that desire to move forward, the desire to overcome some wrong, the desire to get past whatever obstacle is in one's way in doing something correctly, if that desire is genuine. Now, whatever our weakness is, due to the weakness, we are not yet managing to take that step. So, it's our weakness. Like a person is very weak physically. Now, he wants to walk somewhere. So, right now, because of that extreme weakness, he is not taking the step. But the desire is genuine. So, now he calls somebody, please, you know what, I need to start walking now. So, please get me some, you know, some energy foods to eat and some energy drinks to drink and some... I mean, some supplements that will boost my energy levels and this weakness can be then overcome so that I can start walking and I start doing what I need to do. So we have all these arrangements put into place in order to get going for our dunya, for our worldly matters. Now a greater desire must be there to get our dini matters in order. And our dini matters to get it in order the genuine desire must be there and it must be coupled with dua. Earnest dua. It may not even be able to come into our mind now that how can this, or how will it be possible for me to make this change? We are incapable of doing anything without the help of Allah. So we don't rely on ourselves at all. 
I am nobody, I am nothing, I am incapable, I am very weak. But I am turning to my Allah. I am turning to my creator and sustainer. I am begging his help. And he has complete qudrat and power over everything. He has complete qudrat and power over every atom in the universe. And he can change the situation for me. And change it in a way that everything then starts moving forward. So now this dua, earnest dua. So we won't rely on our own self at all. But we will rely on the help of Allah Ta'ala. But we have to make that effort to achieve it. To bring that help down. To draw it. So that is by istighfar. By dua. Begging Allah's help. Today, tomorrow, the next day, repeatedly. So we need to identify these things. We need to start identifying one thing at a time. I need to change this now. Two things at a time. I need to change these two things. So now I must start making an effort on them. On changing it. Start making dua for it. Increasing that remorse in my heart for still having been stuck onto this all this time that remorse is a very very important element and a very crucial factor for the way forward if a person doesn't feel remorse on something he's not going to be even bothered to change it because he's not feeling remorseful over it if he doesn't feel remorseful over it why should he change it so therefore this must move forward and for that one requires that one should be reflecting, one should be thinking, taking the help, making the dua, inculcating the deep desire. So, any case, the example we took is, for example now, the matter of parda. Now, we might have all our excuses, we don't make any excuse. We submit, this is my weakness, I need to bring this onto line. Like that other issues, this is just one example, our dressing. This particular kind of dressing that I have adopted, which is very, very far away from the haya of Islam, it's wrong. Make istighfar. If right now somebody didn't get the courage to take the step, but acknowledge the wrong, make istighfar on it, and beg Allah Ta'ala's help. Ya Allah, you grant me the tawfiq of only adopting such dressing and attire, which is conducive to haya, the haya that Islam has taught, not the haya that is in my imagination. The haya that deen has taught, the haya that Rasulullah sallallahu has taught, not the haya which today it might sound a little strange, but there are some places where people say that if a woman has got a scarf on her head with her hair sticking out in different directions also, but there's a kind of some head covering, there's a scarf on her head, and as not so easy to discuss something of this nature, but even though half her leg is also exposed because from the knee down she's not even wearing her pants and her hair is sticking out under that scarf, but she's got something covering her head. She's regarded as modest. Now in that circle or in that society, in that community, that's haya now. That's haya that this person has got some kind of thing sticking on her head. Though half the hair is open in the back, half is open in the front and caught her away somewhere else. And she, her knee down, her leg is exposed as well. And she's regarded as modest. Now is that the definition of haya that Deen has taught? It might sound very amusing to some of us. But let us look as whether we have also distorted these definitions in our life. In fact, we've digressed far away from what we started talking about. 
But we started on the point of definitions and we've come away again on a point of definition that we were somewhere in the beginning mentioned about definitions. Now the definition of haya, the definition of haya, one is now like people in some communities or some circles or some families or whatever. This is haya now. Now this is haya. Can that ever be regarded as haya? Meaning that this is now made the person very modest, very bahaya. That doesn't count anywhere. At least that much of a conscience is there that I should cover my head, though it's not even serving the purpose fully because half the hair is sticking out. So Alhamdulillah, that's one one step is there. But can that qualify for the description of haya in terms of what Shariat has given us, what Nabi Islam has taught us? Not even quarter of a fraction of a fraction. So, we need to bring things back closer to what the letter and the spirit of Shariat is. To the correct definitions and to the correct actions. The definitions are to give us the direction in the correct manner. A definition, it defines something. It determines which is the direction to go in. So now, if the person wants to know where he has to go to, he got a certain destination in his mind, but now the person is giving him the directions that the road map that he's giving him is distorted. He's giving him all some side routes and going through some wrong roads and where there's no road also, he's sending him in that direction. Where is this person going to end off? So now the person has given him the correct direction, that is the correct definition. Now he goes in the straight road and he reaches his destination. So likewise, haya, we need to understand the correct definition of haya in deen. So coming back, we had commenced on the statement and the malfuz, the words of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala which he, on one occasion, he addressed the people and gave them some advice. So now, among the things that he mentioned, that wa ahlamun nas. Now we can say that he is defining hilm. And who has Hilm? Hilm, Hilm means tolerance. Now he's talking about the most tolerant person. Now we all have some thoughts about ourselves that we are very this and very that and we are very good and we are very, very tolerant and we are very patient and we are very everything. But while we have all these good thoughts about ourselves, we should look at ourselves in the mirror of the guidance given by the aslaf of the ummah, the akabir of the ummah, the pious predecessors. And at the top of this ladder of the pious predecessors are the sahaba ikram. They are the first level and the highest level of these pious predecessors. So we have to look at what they have thought, what they have said, and that will give us the direction. So, in this regard, Hazrat Umar is now defining that who is the most tolerant person. Now this tolerance is not just something by the way, it's a very great virtue, a very important quality in a mu'min. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala mentions this about Sayyidina Ibrahim Ali Salatu Salam, Inna Ibrahim Ala Halimun Awahum Munib. On this occasion there are three aspects mentioned about him. Now, the Ambiyali Musrat Wasalam, they are the very chosen servants of Allah Ta'ala. They are on the peak of every good. 
Then on the peak, there are different levels and stages also. And the highest level and stage is that of Rasulullah But on a general level, they are all perfect in their sifat. But then in perfection, they are levels of perfection. But they are all perfect. So, Ibrahim too, is a great Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. And such a great Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, every quality that is necessary in this insan and in a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, he had it at the height, to the level of perfection. So now when the Quran Sharif is going to mention some of these qualities, now every quality is on the highest level, and despite that certain qualities are going to be mentioned only, then that shows that these are really great highlights. person has for our just how we talk about it generally, 101 good, 101, 1 million and 1 good things. Now, out of 1 million and 1 good things, somebody says, well, say some things, you're going to select some real highlights. Allah Ta'ala is giving us the highlights. And among the highlights, the first aspect Allah Ta'ala says, Inna Ibrahim al-Halim. He's a person, was a person of great tolerance. Great tolerance, al-Halim. This is in Arabic called a mubalagha, not just tolerant, very, very tolerant. It shows a superlative meaning. Extremely tolerant, lahalim. Now this itself highlights how important this quality is, that Allah Ta'ala is highlighting this quality of Ibrahim So there's no minor thing, very great thing. And this is very closely linked to sabr, person who has tolerance. Is patient, has tolerance. Allah Ta'ala loves such people. Inna fika khaslatayni yuhibbuhum Allah. When Ashaj Abdul Qais, the lengthy incident which is mentioned in the Hadith Sharif, when the people of Abdul Qais, they came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in a delegation, the leader of this delegation was a person by the, who was known by the title of Ashaj. Uh, so Nabi Wasallam said to him, after observing him, how he's conducting himself and so on, you have two qualities which Allah Ta'ala loves. One of those two qualities Nabi Wasallam mentioned, helm. You have tolerance in you. You are a person of tolerance. Allah Ta'ala loves this. So Allah Ta'ala loves this quality. Allah Ta'ala loves the people of this quality. Now, unfortunately, we are losing this tolerance in this time and age. Tolerance, obviously, everything has its limits. That tolerance has to be within the limits of Shariat. We cannot cross the line of Shariat and say, no, we have to be uh, accommodating or anything and everything. We cannot accommodate anything and everything. If something is not permissible, it's against the commands of Allah Ta'ala, we can't accommodate that. But there is a way of how to go about doing what we have to do in the correct manner. So in any case, this hilm, Umar radiallahu ta'ala, is saying, who is the most tolerant person? Ahlamun nas. Now what is we are saying is a definition, it's more to give direction, it's a guideline for self-check. We can look at it in one way, in this manner. It's a guideline for our self-check, that we need to look within ourselves. So what does Umar radiallahu say is the most tolerant person? Man afa ba'dal qudrati. The one who forgives despite having the ability. 
having the power, having the might to do what he wanted to do at that time. To do what? To, to take action. And the person has that ability to take action. Somebody provoked him. Somebody said something to him. Somebody did something. Whatever the case might be. And now he has the heart to forgive and to overlook it. To not make it an issue. He is Ahlamun Nas. Where it was a, such a situation that he was able to take the action he wanted to. Sometimes the person is a very strong giant of a person in front of us. And that person tramped our toes. But now we suddenly got very upset. How can this person ever just come and tramp my toes like that? Now we finish tell anybody, we finish tell many people others that don't tramp my toes because then you don't know what I can do. I'll really then become very upset and very angry. You tramp my toes, then you really had it. Then I will finish you off. Now somebody came and literally tramped our toes. But then when you look up, hey, this person is a very, very dangerous person. Very strong person and person who is ready for a fight and you can see this person is like more than a wrestler now he came and tramped our toes and did it deliberately too but then now we look up and say okay don't worry brother it's fine now you tramped my toes but it's alright I didn't mind why we didn't mind we really were upset about it but we say I didn't mind don't worry why or at the most we'll say please now you finish tramp it now let me go now we won't get into a fight there because we understand that this person is looking for a fight now. And his strength, I can't match it. I can't come close to it. He'll, just now in one slap or one punch, I might just get knocked down. So, where there is that ability, where there's no ability to retaliate, then it's no great achievement. It's still good that a person kept quiet and went away, because some people get foolish even in that situation. They still want to say and do something and jump, and then they get hit down. So now, a person kept quiet in that situation is no great achievement. But now the person has some ability to vent his feelings. It's a classmate, it's one sibling, some other situation where someone can vent now and the person says, no, I'm not going to vent anything here. I'm going to keep quiet for Allah Ta'ala's pleasure. I'm going to be tolerant. I'm not going to get involved in this bickering and fighting and arguing and all these things, I'm going to remain calm, collected. And if something needs to be sorted out, then the appropriate way of sorting it out. Not sorting an issue out in such a way that prior to that correction of yours, there was one issue. And after you tried to correct it in your wrong way, there's now two issues. The issue that was already there and the new fight that got created and the new issue that came up as a result of how you went about correcting something. So did you do any good or you did more harm? That first there was one problem, now there's two problems. And sometimes the second problem becomes worse than the first. So Umar Adilano is saying that that person is the Ahlamun Nas, the most tolerant person who forgives despite having the ability to take that action. But he doesn't take action. He adopts sabr, he adopts tolerance, helm, he is patient, he is tolerant. These are sometimes bitter gulps. A bitter gulp to keep quiet and not say anything and go on with life like nothing happened. 
There are times when things need to be then sorted out so that the system of that house goes well, etc. But then the procedure must be right of how it is addressed. So it takes a lot at that time, a lot of courage. But this is the place for people of courage. It's not a place for people who don't have courage. This maidan, this field of progressing towards Allah Ta'ala is the field for people of courage. So this is one statement of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala and there are many other aspects here as well. Inshallah in the coming weeks we might discuss some more. So just one lesson that we learn today is that we want to and we should be tolerant. And we will become the most tolerant in the guideline of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala an. The ahlamun nas is man afa ba'd al-qudrati. The one who forgives despite having the qudrat and the power to vend that. So, and the lesson also we learned about, which we had learned many times before, we don't justify any wrong. Don't justify any weakness of ours. Acknowledge it. And then make a lot of tawbah, a lot of istighfar, a lot of dua. Big Allah Ta'ala's help. And the effort goes along with it as well. May Allah wa Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala enable us to shun everything that He is displeased with and adopt everything that He is pleased with. And make us among his chosen and special servants. وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين. اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله. اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك. جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله. اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير. وجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير. ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله